What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you for making me part of your week yet again. In this upcoming episode, I thought it would be fun since the Buffalo Bills are back in pads for the first time in a long time to go over three position battles that I am really looking forward to going into this season. So stick around and let's break them down. Before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to take a quick time out to say thank you to everyone who listens to me and continues to listen to me on a weekly basis. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to me on the listening platform of your choice and leave me a good thumbs up rating so that more people can find out about this podcast. Also, if you like this podcast, do not underestimate the word of mouth. Make sure you tell your friends, you tell your family to give me a listen because they might also like what they hear. You can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, right here on Anchor. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsTalkBuff1. That's SportsTalkBuff1 on Twitter. You can also email me at SportsTalkBuffalo at Yahoo.com. Once again, thank you for listening. Now let's get on with the rest of the episode. All right, let's just jump right into things here in episode number 67. And we're going to talk about three position battles that I was really, really looking forward to going into the Buffalo Bills preseason. Now, unfortunately, they have canceled all of the preseason games because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But these three position battles, I am still very excited to watch. And I'm going to start off by talking about the backup quarterback position. Now, I know that it's kind of a silly thing to really kind of worry about the position battle for the backup of your starter. But in this case, I think it is a very interesting battle that you're going to have between Matt Barkley and and Jake Fromm. Now, the reason why this is interesting is because Josh Allen plays a little bit reckless, and he likes to run the ball quite a bit, and he also likes to lower his shoulder instead of sliding. Now, last year, it did get him into a little bit of trouble as he was knocked out of the game against New England, a game in which the Bills were driving down the field and had a real opportunity to either tie or win the game there. So it really did hurt the Buffalo Bills when he went out and Matt Barkley had to come into the game cold off the bench late in the fourth quarter. I believe Matt Barkley ended up throwing an interception, and that kind of was the end of the Buffalo Bills week. But it, it it was a good thing that Josh Allen was able to come back the very next week because otherwise we would have had to rely on Matt Barkley. Now, that is why it's so crucial that the Buffalo Bills pick the right person for the backup position job. And I think that this position battle is going to hurt somebody like Jake from the most not having any preseason games to really show what he can do at an NFL level. That is a going to be a huge, huge thing for somebody like Jake Fromm, who was a fifth-round pick out of Georgia, to come in here and supersede Matt Barkley, who has been here for a couple of years, just got a contract extension, is going to be here. You know, he's making, you know, backup money. I think he two years, $4 million, something like that. But he's here, knows the playbook, knows the players, knows the coaches, you know, knows the facilities, knows everything here. And then you have somebody like Jake Fromm who can literally do 
everything that Matt Barkley can do, but cheaper. And what do the Bills want out of their backup quarterback? Do they want a younger guy coming in and kind of learning from Josh Allen? Do they want somebody like Matt Barkley to be there, to be that steady ear for somebody like Josh Allen when he's, you know, kind of on on kind of a downturn, uh, you know, like he was a couple times last year, We, you know, in, in the beginning of the year where he threw a bunch of picks and really tried to force too many things. What do you want? Do you want experience or do you want cap space? That's kind of the position battle that you're going to have, and it's it's going to be the the decision that the coaching staff's going to have to make. Sorry, that, that which one do you value more? And without seeing Jake Fromm play, I really don't under I, I don't see him being able to supersede Matt Barkley. But both of these guys have a ton of similarities between. There's a ton of similarities between both quarterbacks. Essentially, both of them at one point in their careers were considered high round draft picks. Now, after the junior year for Matt Barkley, he was considered a first round draft pick. He ends up going back to college. It hurts his draft stock. He ends up dropping down to the fourth round in the draft. I believe it. I don't exactly know exactly what number he was selected overall, but then you have somebody like Jake Fromm. After his sophomore season, he was considered to be a potential first-round draft pick, and he plays his junior year, loses a bunch of weapons, a bunch of weapons, but I think it really exposed who Jake Fromm really is, and that is, at least at the NFL letter, letter, oh my goodness, level, a solid backup in the NFL. So when you but you break down their college careers as I said they're both kind of the same person. Matt Barkley had a 34 and 13 record, 47 games played in college at USC. He averaged 262 yards a game with two and a half touchdowns to just one interception in his college career. He threw for 12,327 yards with a 64.1% completion percentage. And the reason why I went with Matt Barkley's college stats is I wanted to show how similar these guys really are, okay? Then you look over at Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm was 36 and 7 in 43 games as a starter for Georgia. And he threw for 191 yards a game with 1.8 touchdowns per game, but a staggeringly low 0.42 interceptions per game over his entire career as a starter at a super high level, at the highest level in college football. So that should show you that he does not turn the ball over. Now, Barkley looks like he will give you a little bit more in the ways of being able to have a really, I don't want to say mediocre, he's a better passer, I think, than Jake Fromm. But Jake Fromm is going to give you, I think, what you want more so out of a backup quarterback and that he's going to take care of the ball. So you you really look at both guys. You know, as I said before, Barkley was taken in the fourth round, 98th overall, and Jake Fromm was taken in the fifth round, 167th overall. Both guys are about 6'2". Jake Fromm comes in at 215 pounds, and Matt Barkley is listed at 234 pounds. So both guys are relatively the same size. Both guys have limited mobility in terms of their athleticism. Both of them are very much more 
pocket passers than somebody like a Josh Allen who has freakish athletic ability for his size. And then you look at their arm strength. Both the guys have relatively limited arm strength average to probably slightly below average for Jake Fromm, maybe slightly, and I mean slightly, above average for Matt Barkley. Both guys have adequate arm strength, in my opinion, to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. And as I said, I think the cancellation of the preseason really hurts this position battle because Jake Fromm really, in my opinion, had a chance to take over the backup position from Matt Barkley. Now, you know... You can't. We got to see what Jake Fromm can do at the NFL level, and I don't think that he's going to be able to do enough in practice to really be able to take over that backup position. I talked about it being cheaper. Matt Barkley is on the books for two million dollars a year, and Jake Fromm would cost the Buffalo Bills just six hundred and ten thousand. So, what does management really prefer? It's going to come down to experience or cap space, and I think the trajectory that the Buffalo Bills are on right now, I really believe that they are going to go with the experience, especially given Josh Allen's play style. He could get hurt at any single moment. Hopefully, he does not get hurt at any point during the season, so we have to turn to our backup. Hopefully, he is healthy all season long, so we don't even have to worry about that. And that's really what it's going to come down to as far as what the Buffalo Bills want out of their backup quarterback? Do they want the experience or do they want a little bit of cap space to maybe help sign some of the other guys during the year? Another position battle that I was super, super excited about because the Bills drafted two of them was the wide receiver position. Now, yes, again, we're not talking about wide receiver one, two, or three because those are held on lockdown by Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. But then we talk about how many wide receivers do the Buffalo Bills want to keep on their roster, and who, which which guys are worthy enough to stay on the Buffalo Bills roster. With no preseason, again, it's going to make it difficult for guys like Isaiah Hodgins and Gabriel Davis to really make impressions on the Buffalo Bills coaching staff. Now, obviously, no, right now, they have already made a very good, a very good impression on guys like John Brown, who have said things like, these kids came in and they already know the playbook better than some of the veterans. Now, I don't know if that's good for Hodgins and Davis. I don't know if that's bad for the veterans that we already have here, or I don't know if that's bad sign for Dable that his playbook is so simplistic that they can pick it up, you know, just like that. And it's... It's something that, you know, is very impressive, honestly, coming in as a rookie to be able to dive deep into the playbook, really get to know the playbook. It's going to leave a good impression on the coaching staff that these kids want to learn, they want to be there, and they want to do more than just a good job. They want to do a great job. Now, you look at the top three receivers, Buffalo is is most likely going to stick with their return man in Andre Roberts. He was an all-pro return man last year, so I'm assuming that the Buffalo Bills are going to keep him on as a wide, you know, on the roster also as a wide receiver. So he's going to be the fourth one that the Bills are going to keep. Who now do they keep on their roster? Who do they keep? They have Duke Williams here. They have um, a couple other guys in Isaiah McKenzie and Robert Foster. Who do they keep? Do they keep the guys that have already been here because we kind of know what they give us? Or are we going to see Isaiah Hodgins and Gabriel Davis supersede some of these guys, take their positions, and leave these guys without a job? 
In my opinion, I honestly think that the Bills are going to go with six wide receivers, maybe even seven. You might see the Bills roll with seven wide receivers simply because I don't think you can get rid of either Davis or Hodgins. If you watch their tape, both guys bring you one red zone targets. The Bills did not have a very good red zone offense. They settled for field goals quite a bit. And two, both of these guys are big receivers that can make big plays downfield. Isaiah Hodgins has a ridiculously or a ridiculous catch rate or contested catch rate of 67.4 across two his last two years in college, which was the highest rate in all. Yes, all of college football. So how can you not bring in a guy who just simply catches the ball and catches it whether he's covered or not? That's somebody that you absolutely need on your team. He finished last year with 1,171 yards, 13 touchdowns. He had three games of 150-plus yards as a junior in college. So that's somebody that I think the Bills definitely, I again, it's hard to kind of evaluate these guys against some better talent in the NFL, and that's why the preseason is so important. And people think that the preseason is not important at all. It's very, very important to be able to see guys like this perform against top-tier talent You know, in the NFL. You look at somebody like Zay Jones. Zay Jones came in as a second-round pick. You know, People touted him as he's going to be absolutely unbelievable. He came into Buffalo and just kind of laid an egg. And that's why we, again, that's why we need preseason to be able to really start to sort through some of these guys and to see if with their size and relative speed, you know, are they worth keeping? Now, in my opinion, I really think Duke Williams is the odd, one of the odd men out. And I'll tell you why. They had him in Buffalo for size. They brought him in because he was a very highly regarded recruit out of high school. He went to Auburn, subsequently got kicked out of Auburn, went to the CFL, was an absolute stud in the CFL. You bring him in the Buffalo, and then he kind of sat on the bench, you know, a majority of the season. And then he went, you know, we had him play against the Texans in the playoffs, dropped a crucial pass. Josh Allen drops a dime to him on the right side of the field. And he he really needs to come down with that ball near the sideline in the end zone. Josh Allen really couldn't have thrown a better ball than that. And he really needs to come down with stuff like that. But the reason why is he, he was a big body receiver. He was supposed to be more of a red zone threat for the Buffalo Bills with the emergent or with the, the draft uh, with the Bills drafting Hodgins and Davis, both guys 6'2 or bigger. I be, believe Hodgins is 6'4 or 6'5. Davis is 6'2. Duke Williams kind of loses his edge. He's 6'2 and he's a big body receiver, but he only runs about a 4'7", 240 yard dash. And both of these guys, Hodgins and Davis, they both ran a much faster. 40-yard dash than did uh, Duke Williams. Now, Davis was a 4.54, I believe, and Isaiah Hodgins was a 4.61 in the NFL Combine. Now, does that say a whole lot about the guy's speed? No, some guys have game speed, but Davis is able to get more separation, I believe, than somebody like Duke Williams, and Hodgins simply catches anything that you throw near him, again, whether he's guarded or not. So I think that both of these guys end up on the roster with the Buffalo Bills. Now, you talk about another guy that's going to be an odd man out, and I really believe it's going to be Robert Foster. 
The reason why Robert Foster is going to be the odd man out is, yes, he is an absolute speedster, but the Bills now have multiple guys on their roster that can be the deep threat for Josh Allen. They have Stephon Diggs, who ran a 4-4-6. They have John Brown, who ran a 4-3-9. Cole Beasley, I believe, ran a 4-5-9 or 4-5-7 or something into that effect. So he's... Uh, a legit receiver. You know, he's not going to be a downfield threat, but he's very quick in and out of his breaks. You have multiple guys on this roster that are going to be speedsters. And I think that given the limited amount of work that Robert Foster saw last year, he kind of fell out of favor with the Buffalo Bills coaching staff. And I really believe that he is going to be the second odd man out for the Buffalo Bills. Now you look at their... Uh, depth chart, and now you have Diggs, Brown, Beasley, Davis, Roberts, Hodgins, Hodgins, and do you keep Isaiah McKenzie? And I'm going to say yes. I I say that the Buffalo Bills keep uh, Isaiah McKenzie, and here's why. If somebody like Cole, if Cole Beasley goes down, you have another guy who can step into the slot and be very effective in that same type of role. Not only that, but you also it also gives you depth in the return game as he can return um, punts and kicks. It also gives you the possibility to keep him around, like I said, for extreme depth and gimmick plays. He was very effective on things like end arounds and things like that. So I think you keep, you know, maybe screen passes. You keep Isaiah McKenzie around for the extreme depth in this upcoming season and you also keep him in there and give him the occasional gimmick play that can kind of throw the defense off balance. That is who I'm going to select for the position battle. I think Duke Williams and Robert Foster are the odd men out. And I think Isaiah McKenzie just barely keeps his job as the seventh overall receiver on the team. And now another position battle that had me really excited and had a lot of people talking more so than you would really believe is the kicker's. The Buffalo Bills drafted a kicker in the sixth round. They after actually drafted Tyler Bass higher than Isaiah Hodgins uh, in the sixth round. And again, when you talk about the preseason, this is going to have a drastic effect as to who is going to win out the kicker battle in this upcoming training camp. With no preseason, will it give Stephen Hauschka the upper hand uh, against... Tyler Bass, the sixth-round pick out of Georgia Southern. Now, what do we know about Hauschka? Hauschka is coming off a season where he struggled quite a bit on long field goals, hitting just one of five from from beyond 50. He also missed uh, two extra points. He was just 30 of 32 uh, last year, and that can really alter the the game for any team. Now, he was pretty good you know, underneath 50, hitting most of his field goals. But one of five after 50 yards, I know they're not gimmies. But in today's NFL, you have to be able to hit maybe three out of five or even four out of five from 50 to really be able to keep your job in the NFL. Another thing that's kind of frightening for Buffalo Bills fans is his lack of productivity in Buffalo. Hauschka has a career field goal percentage of 85.7%, but just a 82% uh, 
uh, field goal percentage in the three years he was with the Buffalo Bills. And that is something that is very concerning to Bills fans and Bills Mafia as we watch Stephen Hauschka kick. We, when you watch your kicker go out there and try to kick a field goal, you want to think, okay, this is automatic. We got this. It's not going to be a big thing. But Hauschka really left a lot of Bills fans biting their nails and at the edge of their seats all season long with whether or not he was going to be able to make these field goals. Now, what do we know about Tyler Bass? Tyler Bass has an extraordinarily, an extraordinarily big leg. There were multiple videos that surfaced, one of them where he was standing still, a no-step, 50-yard field goal where he just swings his leg and kicks the ball 50 yards. That is ridiculously strong. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. That is ridiculous. That's insane that he was able to hit a 50-yard field goal with no steps. Another video online was he also hit a 70-plus-yard field goal. And now I know I think it was in... I don't know if... I don't remember if it was inside or outside, but a 70-yard field goal is ridiculously far nevertheless. But one of the big things for Tyler Bass is that's very concerning to me. It didn't seem very concerning to a lot of other Bills fans and that nobody talked about was he's, for me, an accuracy concern. Now, we're talking about Hauschka with an 82% over the course of his career, one for five from 50 yards. Maybe that is where the Bills get an improvement from Tyler Bass is the longer field goals because Tyler Bass has the leg to really boot it. He could boot it a mile, essentially. Tyler Bass has an accuracy concern. In three years at Georgia Southern, he was just 54 of 68 with a career percentage of 79.4. That is not anywhere near good enough to really be, you know, a top kicker anywhere, realistically, at any point. I, to, to me, I, when I look at numbers like that, I don't even draft him. I try to maybe sign him as an undrafted free agent, bring him in, and just see if maybe he can beat Hauschka out that way. But to spend a draft pick on him, the Buffalo Bills coaching staff must really like him. There must be something about him, aside from his big, big leg, that they really liked, that they were willing to spend a draft pick on this kid to bring him into Buffalo and and have him compete for a starting job with Steven Hauschka. Now, a big thing for the Bills, again, is... Tyler Bass will, if the if he is kept on the roster, will be a lot cheaper than Steven Hauschka. But will he be able to do enough in the training camp? You know, this pre preseason. You know, there's no preseason games. Will he do be able to do enough in practice to impress the coaching staff enough to take over the kicking duties from Steven Hauschka? I'm not so sure. I think the Bills in this case again. Since there's no preseason games, go with the experience, go with who they know, and go with somebody who has a career field goal percentage of 85.7. Yes, again, I know that he's not very good at uh, past 50 yards. He wasn't last year. And, you know, I think that's something that the Buffalo Bills coaching staff will just have to live with going into the season and not really being able to see Tyler Bass kick in multiple game, you know, in games, in more pressure situations. Now, I know it's just preseason, but Bass, I'm sure, would probably be feeling a ton of pressure in preseason to make sure that he hits every single field goal or potentially lose his job, you know, lose his job and get cut and not be paid 
you know, to play football and kind of lose out on his dream, so so to speak. So it's a huge opportunity that may be missed for Tyler Bass not having these preseason games. Again, I am super disappointed because there were so many things I was looking forward to. I was looking forward to seeing the improvements of Josh Allen. I was looking forward to seeing Stephon Diggs make a catch here or there. I was looking forward to seeing Zach Moss in the backfield with Motor to see kind of how they complemented each other. I was really looking forward to the three battles, the position battles that I talked about. And I'm just really disappointed that there was no preseason to kind of be able to focus on all that. But the good news is... At least right now, there is still going to be a season in the NFL, and that is something that I think we can all get excited about, regardless of who's on the team. The Buffalo Bills right now have an opportunity to be one of the best teams in the AFC, not just the AFC East, the AFC behind Baltimore and Kansas City. I think the Bills are right there with them, and this season is going to be a big determining factor as to whether or not Josh Allen is going to be the franchise quarterback that the Buffalo fans all envision him to be, and hopefully the Buffalo Bills do not disappoint us like they have so many times in the past when we were talked about, talked up, I really hope that that is not the case this year. I hope that last year was not a fluke. We had an easier schedule. This year we have a much more difficult schedule than we did last year. So hopefully the defense is able to stay a top five defense. And hopefully the offense is able to move from the 20s maybe into the mid-teens in terms of their offensive productivity. And that, I think, will be able to get the Bills 10 to 11 wins and be one of the best teams in the AFC. That's going to do it for this episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends, tell your family. They can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, they can go right to Anchor. They can follow me on Twitter at SportsTalkBuff1. They can also email me directly at SportsTalkBuffalo at Yahoo.com or SportsTalkBuffalo at gmail.com, and I will get back to you all as soon as I possibly can. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and have a fantastic week.